Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Welcome everyone to the Become Fire podcast. This is Father Anthony Tinker here with the... Father Peter Teresa McConnell. We are having a special guest today. Brother Paul Grobman is with us. Brother Paul, just finally professed. It's so exciting to have you here. Um, Brother Paul, we're glad to have you. We want to talk a little bit about how you got here. You're now a finally professed member of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. Um, I made it. There are rumors that you came out of the womb with habit on, but we want to tell the real story, the origin story of Brother Paul. So tell us a little bit about where you're from, a little bit about your childhood, your upbringing. So I am from Kadoka, South Dakota, the 605. 605. It's actually the entire state has the same area code. <laughs> um, but from a really small town, like 628 people. Wow. Type of town where everyone knows everyone. Um, had a high school class of like 18 people. Both my parents were teachers, so just kind of grew up doing small town life. Okay, with siblings? Yeah, so I have one older brother and one older sister. Okay, and... Um, anything like tell us a little bit about your high school experience. Was faith a big part of your life? Was faith far in the distance? What was what was your spiritual life like from childhood, gradehood, high school? Um, I mean, I believed in God. If you would have asked me, but uh, that really didn't hold. Uh, it was kind of like two plus two equals four. Like it's an objective truth, but it doesn't affect me in any way. And I was much more interested in doing other nefarious things that were directly <laughs> against the faith when I was in high school, unfortunately. Okay, so you graduate high school. We've got a, a nefarious young kid. Um, you played some sports, though, right? You're a football player? Yeah, football player, basketball, track. Nice. What, what, what events in track did you do? I was long distance. <laughs> no, I did shot put in this. Yeah, so yeah. I did track my senior year. My buddy was like, if you play football... I'll do track, and so it's kind of one of those things. Okay. Um, also, small town, so everyone gets to participate. So <laughs> wasn't like I was killing it out there. <laughs> uh, I, I bet you there's some people who you opposed in football who thought they were killed, um, who experienced death. Maybe. Maybe. I was, I was an average guy, man. I'm just an average Joe. Okay. The, well, the average Joe graduates high school. I'm just at the bar. And then what do you do post-high school? Post-high school, left for the military. Okay. And which branch? Okay, in the Navy, and tell us a little bit about that. What kind of uh, craft were you on? What were you doing? Yeah, so initially, too, I was like, well, um, my life trajectory isn't the greatest. Um, if I go to college, I'll probably just fail out and party out. And so I was like, well, I need to do something productive. Um, and so my mom actually recommended the military. And so I ended up choosing the Navy. I became what's known as an ABE, which is an aviation's bosun's made equipment. Uh, so I worked on the aircraft carriers on the catapult system, so they're steam-powered, and I did that for four and a half years. And where where were you? Uh, so I did three years in Japan, and then a year out in Washington State. And then during my time in Japan, uh, all over the Pacific East, so Thailand, Guam, Australia, Singapore, the Philippines, South Korea, Hong Kong, a couple other places. Now, any particular highlights from that time? There was, so this is actually pretty sweet. Um, there was one time out to sea, it was like 5 a.m., and we were going down to the equator, so it's like super hot, but it's super early in the morning, we're doing no loads. So the sun is just coming up, but the ocean, like there was no wind. Because down by the equator, it's like warmer, it's not, it's like, it's, it's more mild. So there was no wind. And so the sun like peaked over the horizon, 
and the ocean was just like glass. Mm -hmm. And so you couldn't tell where like the sky was and where the ocean started. And just in a 360 view, it was like you're in this globe. And it was like one of those moments where like no one is talking and everyone on the flight deck just kind of has their mouths open and everyone's just like looking around. So it was a, it was a pretty wild moment for sure. That's really beautiful. Uh yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty crazy. That's, yeah, that's the, the beauty of God's creation. You know, He's working on your heart yeah, through this, yeah. whether or not recognized. I'm, I'm gonna just side note. Do you mind telling the story about how when you almost lost a plane? Yeah. So, uh, is the Navy gonna be upset that we're like telling the story, or, or they won't be listening? We'll be okay. Yeah, it'll be all right. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. We're not at that level yet. The government's not listening in yet. No, so we were doing flood operations like the middle of the afternoon. And so what you do is uh, on the catapult, there's a cross-deck pendant that the plane hooks up into, and there's something called a holdback bar. So the plane can fully throttle up. So the plane can fully throttle up, but it doesn't actually take off. So it'll be in full tension, like uh, military power, right? So the, the afterburners are going, and it's not actually doing it. And then we need the launch button. Uh, the steam pissed, uh, the, the launch valves open up, and they... they propels the steam pistons down so it'll break the whole back bar and then the plane will launch down the track uh with extra force from the steam pistons but also its own velocity to take off in a shorter distance um and so uh we had the plane fully throttled up and they suspended out and so they broke tension uh essentially so that they took it like unhooked it or whatever and the plane was still fully throttled or the plane de-throttled and then for some reason, like this happens pretty quickly and the officer ended up pressing the fire button. So the plane's de-throttled, so it launches. So it gets like halfway down the track and you just see it hit the afterburners and it launches and it just drops for like three or four seconds. And we're like, we just killed someone. Like we just launched a plane and like this pilot's dead. And then all of a sudden at like 90 degrees, dude, this plane just comes like shooting up, dude. And we're like on the like, oh yeah. Like everyone's like cheering and stuff. It was pretty wild. That's awesome. And it was a wild moment. She spent four years in the Navy. Four and a half. Four and a half. Um, what was your relationship with God? Or was there a relationship with there God? There was no relationship time? with God. Okay. Um, um, I had some friends, like, I had some some hippie friends who were really into, like, spirituality and stuff. And so we would talk a lot about, like, hippie things and spirituality. So so I, I just, like, curiosity, like, so without God, without religion, what what was like motivating you? What was giving you purpose? What was giving you meaning? Or was it just the day-to-day? -day? I mean, the day-to-day, -day, definitely. But I mean, definitely like relationships. So I think a lot of times you just fill the void and stuff like that. And so I had some close friends and stuff. I mean, most certainly too, before I, I, ended, uh, before I got in trouble in the military, uh, I had like all these friends and I thought I was just the dude. And like, and so that a lot of it, like my popularity, like how sweet I am, you know, mm -hmm. like kind of the persona that I'm projecting kind of becomes an idol in itself. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, what happens at this time that changes that attitude? Yeah, so I just, uh, I got blackout drunk and arrested uh, on base. And uh, I'm not entirely sure what happened, but enough that I got arrested. Um, and I woke up handcuffed to a chair uh, in the, about like at 5 p.m. And uh, we had started drinking in the morning and that was very disorienting to say the least. <laughs> and... Uh, I had this moment where I was like, I had all these, so I was partying with a lot of people too. I had this trip through, like went to the monkey island. There was a lot of people with me. And then the way I perceived it too, is like all these people bailed. And it was kind of this moment where I was like, all I have in common with these people is partying. 
Uh, that's kind of the only, and I thought these were like real, like these would be friends forever, you know, the whole the kind of diffusive thing, like, and I just recognized, well, we just have this one goal in common. And it's actually super destructive, like as as I'm now realizing, handcuffed to this chair. Um, and so from that, th that sparked a moment where I was like, well, there's something more in relationships, that there has to be something deeper than even just like a, there's something, I don't know how to describe it, like, because obviously we all have a commonality and that does provide like good friendship, but there's something deeper than and kind of these surface level things that there's something more that binds us together. So I, I, I lost, uh, I, I used to always say, I got a lot of acquaintances after that day and I had very few friends. Um, and I did find some friends who, who I'm still friends with to this day. Oh, that's beautiful. And, and so how did your relationship, how did you gain it? You, so you don't have any relationship with God, really. You've got this hippie kind of relationship with God. Yeah. And so when did God enter and how did that happen? So my brother ended up having a conversion. Uh, he was a typical frat boy. Uh, I followed in his footsteps, so to speak, um, in a lot of my own uh, lifestyles. He ends up having a pretty radical conversion. And I remember I was coming home from the Navy. I didn't see my family. I didn't really talk to him for a year and a half. And I remember coming home and mom was like, hey, Andrew's Catholic now, because he, he ended up being Lutheran. And, uh, and I was like, okay, whatever. And my mom was like, no, he's really Catholic. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know what you mean by that, but like, okay. Um, and then, uh, and so yeah, I got back and then uh, my brother ended up, we had a family gathering and my brother drove me back to my grandmother's house. And we were just sitting in the parking lot and he ends up just sharing his testimony. And uh, he starts crying and is talking about Jesus. And I'm at a place in my life where I'm really uncomfortable with what's happening. <laughs> and uh, he, he was showing way more emotions than men are supposed to. Uh, but at the same time, I recognize that everything that I considered to be God, drinking, partying, um, all, all that, all the things that go along with that, the whole lifestyle. Uh, he had totally rejected that. I uh, totally reoriented his life. And yet he, he was at peace and I wasn't. Uh, he had something I didn't. And so that was a big seed. I mean, it still took like another year and a half before I really had a, I would say a real conversion, but, but that was a big moment. That was kind of the first time I really felt like the gospel was preached to me in an authentic way. So, so what happens a year and a half later where you feel like then so what was me, planted in that moment was able to, to yeah, come to so, fruition? So over the year and a half, a little bit I would see my brother and stuff like that, we'd talk, and I was like super relativistic. So I was actually really open to talking about the faith and just kind of like, yeah, whatever makes you happy, makes you happy, and that's cool. You can tell me about it. Um, and then I got back on leave uh, before I transferred out to Washington State. I was, I was switching duty stations from Japan to Washington and my brother was having his first child, Gemma, my niece, down in Lincoln, Nebraska. Mm. So I happened to be on leave at that time. And so I got to go down the day that Gemma was born. Mm. Um, and so I went down there. It was very exciting. I got to see my niece for the first time. And because I mean, my brother had also been talking about the face. We'd had many conversations and stuff like that. And then my brother tried to politely ask me if I wanted to go to confession. <laughs> and there was some, some drastic miscommunication that altered my life drastically. Where I tried to politely say like no and kind of my really like, oh, that's very nice, but like, no, thank you. And my brother took it as like, oh, so you wanna go. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden, uh, and then like maybe like an hour later, we were in the, the hospital room with Megan, who's my sister-in-law, she just had the kid, my brother, and the priest comes to bring them communion. And I don't say anything. And then my brother's like, he like points me, hey, like you can go to confession now. And I immediately like stop in the deer in the headlights. And then all of a sudden I was in an elevator with this priest going to confession. Um, and so Praise I ended God. up, yeah, yeah, it was pretty wild, man. I don't even remember. Anyways, yeah, I'm in this elevator and, uh, all of a sudden we get to the confessional cause it's a Catholic hospital. Hmm. And, wow. uh, well, actually, so I do want to say this, I'm going to preach a little bit. So my brother, but I, I just, the Lord also brought this back up uh, a while, a while back, but, uh, 
he told me like we were like in the car we were like we were like cruising around Lincoln like he was taking me to like Chipotle or something like that and like he told me about mortal sin mm-hmm. and so I think there was a part of me that was like I'm hedging my bets mm-hmm. like if this is real and he's like there's <laughs> sin that will send you to hell like I at least need to hedge my bets a little bit you know what I mean like let me just like yep. um and so I think that was definitely probably the the main factor you know like fear is a is a fear a powerful of, motivator a powerful, a motivator. powerful motivator and so uh so anyways i go to confession um it's not a good confession i knowingly hold back sins uh but i'm still given a penance to pray five rosaries um and i didn't even really know how to pray the rosary at the time and so this priest is like well here you go here's these pamphlets and these rosaries on, a, on how to pray it and i'm super uncomfortable talking to this guy that i just told all this stuff to so i'm kind of like thank you and i run away <laughs> <laughs> um and so then we go, uh, but anyways, so I'm assuming that we're just going to keep rolling in the testimony. I'm kind of like, yeah, please. I'm just going, I'm just going with keep it. Keep it just, rolling. Keep it rolling. Um, I'm breaking the question rule. But anyways, uh, so I get those rosaries. I throw in my, I don't even think about them. I go back home for like 20 days before I transfer back out to Washington state. I don't pray the rosary in those 20 days. And I go back out to Washington state. I'm at my new duty station. Um, and the ship is out to sea. So I'm just in these barracks rooms. So I have, I have a lot of free time because the ship is out to sea and I'm just kind of like in a holding spot until the ship comes back. But the first night I get there, I open up the suitcase and there's that rosary and like there's pamphlets on how to pray it. And I'm like, well, this is pretty weird. <laughs> like, how did these get here? Like, I thought I lost these. Like, and so like in the moment I was like, okay, this might be kind of like supernatural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I later found out my mother threw them in my suitcase. So, so praise be to God for that. But then I had this thought, like in the morning, I was mustering and I was like, why don't I just kind of give this whole Christianity thing a shot? Like a real shot, like more than the confessional was kind of like, I'm just hedging my bets. Like right now, like, why don't I just like try it out? Like my brother's been talking to me about this for like two years. Like I've obviously seen that something's happened in his life. Um, And so why don't I just give it a shot? And so then I like, get ready and I find like this like corner where no one will ever find me because so, I don't want to pray in front of people, of course. <laughs> And so uh, I start praying the rosary um, and it takes me like an hour to get through it. Cause I didn't even have the, I didn't even know the Hail Mary. Like I had to like, I mean, I'd prayed it as a kid, but like, I didn't remember it at all. So I had to like read the, like read the Hail Mary 50 times. I hope I knew it by the end of it. I don't remember, but, um, and so after I prayed the rosary, I kind of put my hands up in the air and I was like, had my eyes closed and I was like kind of waiting for something. Cause like, this is the moment, this is the moment when something happens and nothing happened. And so yeah. I was like, well, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then we had to go. And when you say, so you, it was an hour, one of the five rosaries. Yeah, one so of the five one of the five yeah, it took in me, an hour yeah, yes, at this yes, time. Yes, okay. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to, yeah. It took me a while to pray the rosary. Yeah. Um, just because I didn't know any of the prayers. So I had to keep looking at it and like, how does this thing actually work? Like, it's it's very confusing initially. <laughs> um, but so anyways, uh, so I had to go muster with my command and then I just had time to like go work out. So essentially free time. Um, it's about two and a half hours after I pray the rosary. I'm working out. I come out of the gym. Um, in Bremerton, uh, no, in Everett, Washington, on the base there. And I take about four or five steps out of the gym, and I just feel just this presence just fall over my life. And uh, I just and I just knew I was like the Lord was looking at me. And uh, and dude, all the dude, this is like all the grace from like my baptism, uh, and my mom who like did like she would like scream at me to go to church, dude, and I fought her tooth and nail like every Sunday. Um, but like got me the sacraments and all of a sudden, like all of this, like all the seeds of my faith, like in that moment, I was just like, I'm in the presence of the Lord. Um, and it was terrifying and exhilarating. Um, and I just knew that he saw me and I had this kind of like preconceived notion that like, 
like maybe if I got my act together, then I could start out like having a relationship with Jesus or something like that, you know, or I could start living this Christian lifestyle. Uh, and I just recognize that, that Jesus saw it all and that he still loved me in it. Um, and that was like, that changed me. It just changed me. Like I was, ne I've never been the same since then. Uh, it's just this perfect love of Christ that, uh, yeah. And I remember like, calling my brother and I'm like, you'll never believe what's gonna happen. And like, and I was like convicted, like I have to go back to confession because the first one wasn't like a valid confession. And like, yeah, and that was the start of my Catholic journey. That was seven years ago. Yeah. Praise be to God. Amen, amen. Um, so what advice would you give to somebody? They're maybe kind of like you. Uh, maybe they've done the hippie thing. Maybe they've done the no God at all thing, the agnostic thing. Um, maybe they're like, I wanna give Christianity a try. Like, I want to do this, you know, and, and what can they do in their lives right now? What advice would you give to someone who's like, okay, I want to give Christianity a try. What should they do? You have to run to Our Lady. Um, you know, there, there was no coincidence that I was through my own uh, maternal mother that she put the rosaries in there. She imparted the faith to me. Um, but then also like Jesus' mother, Our Lady, like she, like I firmly believe like, like she like sent her son to save me. Like she got me grace that I did not merit. Like I was in mortal sin. I had put myself away from the dominion of the Lord. I was under the dominion of Satan. Um, I was actively rejecting the Lord. So it was totally unwarranted grace. Like there was nothing in my life, um, I, but like, but our lady was able to, to act in such a way as an intercessor. And so I would say to anyone who's listening, who, who has family members like that, or, or if you're struggling with it too, that, our lady will do it. Like she will do it. Like I promise you. Like, like have no fear. And like, and and it's not gonna be the same as for you as it was for me, right? That's another thing too, is the Lord, the Lord knows you, right? And so he's gonna do what you need. And just to have confidence in that. Uh, uh yeah. Okay, so you have this conversion experience. Um, did the was the vocation old discernment? Was that immediate? How did that happen? So it happened about 20 days later. So I was so I had 30 days. But did the, like the next 20 days were like amazing. It was like a honeymoon with the Lord. Like I'd wake up and I would just be like, I just like love Jesus. And like, Jesus loves me. And I was like be bopping around and I was just so happy. And like, well, it was like revolutionary to me. I feel like I found like the greatest kept secret like in the world. It was like, like the Lord turned it up to 11. You know what I mean? I was experiencing life on a whole nother level. And uh, I have to adjust myself, hang on. Uh, and so I remember just, it was just exhilarating. And I remember just like, it was like a radical, like it was so radical to me, like God loves me. Like, and I'd heard that before, but it was like all platitudes before then. I was like, okay, yeah, like God loves me, cool, man. Like it's a bumper sticker you see every other car, you know, like, but then to actually experience that, to come to that as a realization, I was like, this is amazing. Um, and so I'm just kind of like, I mean, I'm going to like daily mass, I'm praying all the time. Like I'm like reading the lives of the saints. Um, I'm just doing it, reading the Bible kind of for the first time in my life. Talk, I'm talking to my brother like every day for like two and a half hours. And I'm like, this is happening. What does this mean? I read about this the other day. What is this? Because I had no idea about my faith. And so I was learning a lot too. The Lord was teaching me a lot of things and like all the obligations that I now incurred upon my life. I'd already <laughs> had, but now I actually need to like fulfill and satisfy. But, uh, so then, but then about 20 days into it, uh, I was actually just at mass one day, like daily mass. And like this, this old lady was like, hey, are you going to be a priest? I was like, no. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, this. Like, anyways, I don't want to get pejorative, but anyways, I was, uh, <laughs> I was like, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in the Navy, so I can't do it. And then she was like, well, that's not, ex not an excuse. Amen. And then I remember, like, but it was like, so that was the first time I was like, oh, like God actually has something He wants me to do. Mm. 
Um, you know, there's, there's like a plan for my life. There's a purpose. There's an orientation in which he's directing me. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to my brother, and this is the advice he gave me, and I, and I feel like it's really solid. He's like, yeah, like everyone has a vocation. And I didn't even know what that word was at the time, like vocation. Like you need to define that. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, but he's like, essentially, like there's the, so first of all, it's like you're a son of God. Like that's the first and foremost. Like before your vocation, before God asks you to do, like, like fundament to your person. And the second one is like your vocation, like the way God is calling you to stay in life that the Lord is calling you to do. And then third is you're called to evangelize. And then fourth is whatever occupation you need to facilitate the other three. So kind of the hierarchy. And I was like, okay, cool. And I was like, I remember like talking to him and I remember going to mass the next day. I'm like, well, how do I actually like figure this out? Like, how do you figure, how do you discern God's will? Like, I have no idea how this works. Like, and I remember just opening up this hymnal and like a prayer to know your vocations fell out. And I was like, well, I guess I'll start here. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just started praying this prayer to know your vocation and uh and like five days into it uh like after like after the 20 days five days into like kind of like oh the God has a plan for my life I just felt the Lord like and be like why don't you ask me why don't you just ask me what your vocation is mm -hmm. and my brother I would say like well there's like married life there's like like uh, and then like priesthood and I was like Lord are you calling me to be married and I would kind of wait and be like Lord are you calling me to be married. <laughs> and I'd kind of wait and be like, Lord, are you calling me to be married? And then uh, yeah. and I'd wait. And then I'd, I'd be like, okay. And I'm like, I'm kind of like terrified. But I'd be like, Lord, are you calling me to be a priest? Yeah. And that same peace I experienced the first time I met the Lord. I just felt that same peace just fall over my life. Um, and that happened. For, and that was kind of a game the, the Lord played for, for quite a while where I would ask him, are you calling me to be married? And, uh, and he would not respond. And then I'd ask if he wants me to be a priest. And, uh, and I would feel that same peace. Mm. Wow. So you've got that, you feel this call to the priesthood. How did, how did you get from there to the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit? So from, uh, I had one year left in Washington State. Uh, so I had to finish out my obligation with the Navy. Uh, my brother, though, at the time was living in Flagstaff, Arizona as a focused missionary. And so when I was getting out, of, uh, my brother offered, I could go stay with him for years. I kind of like figured out what I'm going to do with my life and stuff like that. And so when I get out of the military, I moved to Flagstaff, Arizona. I move in with my brother and I'm just living up in Flagstaff. And then he puts on a spiritual boot camp retreat, um, which is kind of like an encounter of the Holy Spirit weekend. And my brother knew Brother Xavier because they were both focused missionaries. Mm -hmm. So my brother reaches out because he heard they were in town. And then Brother Xavier and a couple of the friars go to this spiritual boot camp retreat. Um, and like up to that point too, I was kind of like, I was like, I was like on fire, but it was also like kind of a closet Christian. Like it was like, I wasn't like real vocal about what I was doing. <laughs> um, well, so I was like real, I was real caught in my head too. I didn't want anyone to influence my discernment. I was really big and like, I want this to be from the Lord. Like I lived an, I lived an inauthentic life for a lot of years and I just want what I do to be authentic. So I really want it to be from him. And I remember just seeing brother Xavier and the Lord was like, tell him your story. And so I remember like, I ended up finding him and stuff like that. And I told brother Xavier my story. And their brother Xavier's like, that's great. Like, hey, we're doing a transitus for like St. Francis. Like you can come down in nine days and you could like pray this novena to St. Francis to like, if you're called to like, to like our way of life. And I was like, well, I don't even, I didn't know what a transitus was. I didn't know what a novena was. And I was like, who is St. Francis? <laughs> <laughs> oh, for three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so I ended up, I prayed the novena. I learned what that was. Uh, I came down for the transitus service and I found out what that was. And uh, the Lord just gave me tremendous peace. Uh, uh, and I just had a new encounter with the Holy Spirit too, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they get the tongues the next day, uh, and the, the chapel over in the house. And, uh, I like to joke that I started coming down for, for everything, especially the prayer groups that were going on. And, 
And I would drive down from Flagstaff. And then uh, one day I came down and didn't have to leave again. <laughs> and then here we are uh, five years later and there's no take backs. No take backs. Yeah. So now you're a finally professed member of the Franciscan Friars Holy Spirit. Um, we're going to talk about that ceremony. That's going to be another podcast. But just your initial kind of what does it mean to you now having living a, lived a worldly life? Now you've committed yourself to poverty, chastity, and obedience. Like, what is what is that meant to you in your life, in your heart? And what would you tell people about that transition? Well, first of all, is that the Lord promises you freedom. So the world wants to say that you're free, you can do whatever you want. Um, and a lot of it is a freedom of choice. Um, but it, it doesn't actually, like, I've lived that, and it, does, it doesn't actually satisfy. And a lot of times what it leads to is it's a, it's a really, it's a self-focused freedom that the world promises you that, that fundamentally uh, makes you incapable of actually having authentic relationships. So you, 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 you want that, but in your own desire to like seek your own self-fulfillment and stuff. So the idea of sacrifice, of giving yourself, it doesn't really come into it. Um, and it's, it's one of those paradoxical things, but I, I've never been free in my life. Um, and it, and it's not the freedom of the world, right? It's not like I have I don't have more choices now, but it's like what's my freedom oriented towards? Well, I have the freedom to give myself, to fully give myself, um, but also to have an authentic relationship and fundamentally with Christ. Where that, that like that's the deepest desire. Like and you, and you see that a lot of people fulfill. Uh, they were just kind of replace Christianity, you know, God. They just replace it with 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 whatever community you can find with, with relationships, and none of those will satisfy. Like at the end of the day, none of it will just leave you wanting more. Um, and everyone experiences that. You have those moments where like you're at a party, you come back and you're like, why do I kind of feel depressed? Why do I feel kind of lonely? And I just came from like this awesome time with all of these people. And, uh, and it's because like only God can satisfy that place. And you're made for communion with them. And it's perfect communion. It's perfect communion to be perfectly known and to be known, uh, to know and to be known. And so... Yeah, and that's, there's no greater gift. That's beautiful. Um, we're almost out of time, but I want to just let you say a final word. Any, anything else that you, you've been kind of preaching to us. We really enjoyed it. Anything else for the people listening? I'm fired up, man. <laughs> anything else that's on your heart that you want about your story, about your life that really um, you want to give the, the final word about? I guess the one thing I would say is that the Lord does demand that you make sacrifices. The, I mean, the, 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 God, like the Lord doesn't mince words. Like in the gospel, the Lord will ask you to give up everything. But it's, uh, and we can call it a sacrifice, but it's also a great exchange, right? The Lord asked me to give up my family. He asked me to be poor. He asked me to be chaste. He asked me to be obedient. But what you gain in return is so much greater uh, than any of the, than any of the things that, you, that the Lord asks you to let go. So whatever the Lord's asking you to let go of, like the Lord will never be outdone in generosity. Um, and it makes me think of Romans 8, where the, the suffering of this world compares nothing to the glory that's been promised to be revealed in us. That's beautiful. We end, we end with a fun question. It's kind of how we end. So mine's going to be- kind of a drastic change in the yeah, tempo. Yeah, a little bit of a change, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're right. I don't know how to, how to transition well into that one. But uh, I have a two-part one because it is related to your military experience. We have to know what your feelings are about the movie Top Gun. It's a great movie. <laughs> objective. It's just objective. a great movie. Objective it's yeah, in objective a great movie. Yeah. And then from that, I feel like that's kind of like across the board, though. Even like without military experience, I feel like Top Gun is just a great movie. Yeah. I, I'm, so I couldn't. I had the the CD um, from the the movie, and when Danger Zone come on, came on, I couldn't not hit the gas really hard. So yeah, I did for not sure. listen to that in the sure. car anymore because it was it got to me. So in that movie, just vain, just because we're on it, you're in the military. Favorite military movie. 
I do like to joke. Uh, there was a movie Battleship that came out in 2012. <laughs> and then a lot of times I tell people like, listen, like my military experience was just a lot like the movie Battleship. <laughs> Pretty much day to day. I'm going to have to watch that one now. Uh, okay, so are you naming Battleship? Is that the official answer? I'm going to go with Battleship. <laughs> Final answer. <laughs> Definitive. That's a, that's a winner. Everyone must go watch it. <laughs> I've never seen it. So it's actually seen. not that good. It's not that good of a movie. I don't even. Also, it was pre-conversion, so make sure you IMDb at Parents Guide first <laughs> to make sure it's appropriate for all audiences. Yeah, um, mine's not for the kids either. Probably it, it's. It, yeah, it's going to be Band of Brothers. It's not a movie, but the miniseries. Yeah, yeah, it's a phenomenal. Um, I just really just so touched by by the, those men, their stories, what they did for our country, what they did for the world. Um, which is which is surprising. You know, I'd probably say Braveheart. Uh, but, but I think Band of Brothers. You consider Braveheart a military movie, I suppose. I, I think so. No, it is. I'm gonna it put is it in yeah. put I'm, I was going contemporary. Like when you, I'm not here military movie. I'm thinking like machine guns and explosions. I, so, so World War Two, definitely. I I love the all the history surrounding that. So so Band of Brothers and like Saving Private Ryan, that that stuff I love. But just to go a different uh, a different, I'll go with the the Patriot. Okay, America, very good. American very good. Revolution, America. right there. Mel Gibson getting some plates on today. Okay, uh, everyone, thank you so much. Brother Paul, will you close us with a prayer? Yeah, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the Father, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for the gift of life that you've given all of us, Lord, this, this life that we get to live uh, in union with you. What a tremendous gift that we get to share in the life of the Trinity, and it's just totally undeserved, Lord. And we just thank you for the unspeakable, infinite mercy that you had in sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for us to rise again. Uh, and just the promise of the Comforter, Lord, as we come up on, on, on Pentecost, Lord, and we pray for a new Pentecost, Lord, we just, we just thank you for the gift of baptism, the gift of the sacraments, Lord, that we've been grafted onto the true vine, that we're full of life, Lord, we're just full of life, and we just thank you for that life that we receive. And uh, we just entrust our lives and the, and the lives of all our loved ones, all of our intentions, I just entrust it to Our Lady, that you'd perfect them before the throne of grace, that, that you just... Uh, just bring your little ones to your to your son Jesus. Super Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Brother Paul. Great having you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire Podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are also a 501c3 charitable organization. If you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission, please go to www.becomefire.faith/give. That's becomefire.faith/give. May the Lord give you his peace. We'll see you next time.